where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm James. And I'm John. Today we'll be talking about episode 9 of season 3, An American Family. And uh, it was released on the 29th of November, 1984. In this episode, Nick tries to charm Carla into giving her custody of Anthony. Perhaps unsurprisingly, this episode was written by Heidi Pullman and directed by James Burroughs. It's a good episode. I like it. I like the serious tone that they bring to it. Yeah. And the challenges that are faced through that. Things in the cold open do set up a few of the themes about the rest of the episode. So, let's begin. Cliff asks Norm about him and Vera trying to have a child. He tells him he's trying anything to get Vera off his back and changes the subject to Jesse Orozco hitting a home run the previous night. This turns into a bet of Sam's hitting number, which becomes a sort of B-plot the rest of the episode. People trying to determine what the correct statistic is. Diane scolds them for discussing something so trivial. Mm. It is beyond me when the two of you insist on making a contest out of the most meaningless issues. Oh, no, no, no. On the contrary there, Diane, we also uh, address ourselves to some of the most vital and meaningful issues of our times. Uh, for instance, if Southeast Asia were to be obliterated by a nuclear attack, Norm here would have to push a peanut up Boylston Street with his nose. <laughs> And only as far as the corner, Cliffy. It's, you know, it's a silly conversation, but it does set up a few of the themes for the rest of the episode. Hmm. Albeit in a light-hearted manner. As we've said earlier, it's a Totelli episode. We've got Dan Hedea back as Nick Totelli and Jean Cassem back as Loretta. The only other guest in this episode is another returning guest, Thomas Babson as Tom who is effectively the Cheers' resident lawyer. And how's the lawyer? I see him as the kind of Cheers version of Saul Goodman. I see him as the <laughs> Cheers version of you know, Bird Law. Bird Law. <laughs> that's, that's what I see it like. Not really to be taken seriously. At least that's what Cliff thinks as well. So. Yeah, yeah, you haven't even passed your bar exam. I know, I know a, a couple of lawyers. So that, that made it sound like I had been in legal trouble. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, you kind of dropped yourself in there, James. I, I, I just mean... Let's move on. Yep, that's right. <laughs> There's a reason that I had a live audience. James's fault. <laughs> I'm no longer allowed in the state of Philadelphia. <laughs> but as you mentioned, we um we do have our returning guest stars who come as Nick and Loretta, and they're, they're present throughout most of the episode when Nick comes in. He says to Sam, have you dumped Carla yet? Just to which, fill the audience in. Fill the audience in. Remind us of the last episode. Yeah. Which right. was Battle of the Exes. Sam says, no, Carla dumped me. But I, I like how that was kind of like a little sort of side massive. Thing. I think that's just Heidi keeping continuity mm. with her previous episode. There's a big themes of a family and infertility and also, to some extent, uh, status. Mm-hmm. Um, what it means to, well, particularly in the case of Nick and even Sam with his batting number, batting average, could mean to be, in quotation marks, a man. And for Nick, it's about his ability to have children of his own, the, the support of his family. And for Sam, it's his prowess in sports. Yes, and as you, as you mentioned, Nick is after kid. He wants one of his own because Loretta can't have children, is what they set up. So he's, he's uh, come to Carla in a right threatening way. It is. What's this about, huh? As you know, I am now married to the goddess compared to you, Loretta. She's physically unable to have any kids. 
as this is breaking a heart, plus I don't want anybody thinking I'm not doing my job, I figured I'd just take one of our old ones. You want me to give you and that Twinkie one of my children? Product of my seed! Hey, hey, please, please. Look, Nick, this is outrageous, even for you. He tries to sort of throw Carla under the bus for being like a single parent. He says he'll be able to get the kids quite easily because of that. And that's where Tom steps in. Actually, Carla, uh, there's a good chance he could get custody here if he can prove that you're an unfit mother. Thank you, counselor. And who do you think they're going to pick? Me, a sincere, hard-working family man, or you, a hard-up waitress who leaves her kid night after night to come to a sleazy bar, huh? Hey, hey, watch it. Yeah, she's off Thursday nights. <laughs> Which is quite scary for Carla. And Nick's sleaziness comes in, into the, the plot as well. This episode reminded me of, particularly the second half, where it was this almost legal battle. Mm. Was Kramer versus Kramer, the Dustin Hoffman, Meryl Streep film. It's a very good film. It won, uh, won an Oscar, I believe. Okay. What happens is that Meryl Streep leaves her husband and child. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman has to adjust from his workaholic-oriented to being this father figure and concentrating more on being a father figure and, you know, he has to deal with some quite big incidents, you know, like, uh, his, his son breaks his arm at some point, yeah. just by falling off, you know, like a jungle game type mm-hmm. thing. It's called Kramer versus Kramer because later in the film, mild spoiler, there's a custody battle. Mm-hmm. And this episode reminded me of that. I suppose this, this plot doesn't go to court. No. Probably for the, uh, for the best, it would have gone too dark. <laughs> Too dark, but also if I have to build the set. Um, <laughs> what we do see is Nick charms on Carla, and he says that he would like to talk to her one on one. Carla comes out and uh, has agreed, which surprises everyone. And we find out that Carla's whole relationship, really, Nick has been quite manipulative, and yeah. in a one on one scenario, charms his way to get what he wants. Potentially the worst character morally we've seen in shoes so far. I think, yeah, I mean, uh, there's probably some bad ones out there. Objective of the plot is for Carla to overcome Nick's charms. That leads to, I suppose, the climax and the final act of the episode. But before we get into that, let's talk more about this batting average bet that they've got going on. The bets in the bar. A Roscoe was a relief pitcher mm-hmm. and only had 10 career base hits. Uh, all of them were singles. And this home run, which Norm saw the previous night, never happened in reality. He never got one. Yeah. But it was a relief pitcher, so rarely acted as a batter. As we said, they also debate Sam's batting average. As Sam was also a relief pitcher, he would rarely ever be his aim. To me, this over-projected target may have reflected the infertility issues mm. that played the rest of the episode. And as I say, that aspect of mm. painting yourself or believing in yourself as a higher status of actually are or need be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And later in the episode, um, Cliff comes in with essentially an almanac, like a sports almanac, that reveals that he had won the bet, and uh, but Norm won the money back from Coach on a side bet that Cliff would be obnoxious. It's it's a kind of a, a reveal around the room of the whole bet on something, again, on top of another person's yeah. bet, about someone else's bet. Yeah. And Coach laughs because that Cliff, <laughs> because Cliff spent... $30 on a book to win a $20 bet. Cliff laughs because he borrowed the $30 from Norm and won't pay it back. And they're all laughing because it was 
all about how Sam couldn't hit a baseball to save his life. And Diane comes in and goes, you're pathetic, basically. Nick comes into the bar with Loretta, with papers, the custody papers. You and I, we go into Sam's office and have a private tour. Don't do it, Carla. Carla, stay out here with us. <laughs> no, I have to go in there with him. If I can stand up to him this one time, I can break his spell. And I think I can do it. I mean, we mentioned earlier in this episode that main objective is Carla has to overcome Nick's uh, coercing. Uh, he sings a song to her, tries to work her. They kiss, and Carla feels nada. She, she, she says he should have stopped the song because the song was doing it for her. As soon as they kissed, nothing. I'm not going to get into this argument where Nick wasn't trying hard enough or wasn't putting all the effort in. She, uh, she, she believes that Nick has sort of went easy on her because Nick can see how much the kids mean to Carla. But, but what we do get is we get an empowerment to Carla who's come out the other end of this episode, sort of achieving that objective. Yeah. Kept custody of her kids. She stood her ground. And she stood her ground to the one person who she's never been able to serve. I didn't think I had it in you. This is the first time you stood up to me. You resisted my charms. You win. What I did like about this episode was the aspect of how powerful women can be and should be, particularly in, let's face it, in an era and a show which at times has been times quite sexist. Mm. Whereas in this episode, all the main women, even Loretta, were forced standing up against Nick because of these negative personality traits he had. You said it before, being coercive. Mm. Nick has at times been gaslighting the women in his life. And I really liked how all three of the main women in this episode were almost banding together mm. to stop that behaviour. Yeah, it was, a po- it was a positive message. It was kind of undercut at the end. Yes, it was under a cut, but not because they were accepting of his behaviour. Oh, no. No. Diane succumbed to Nick's yeah. charm. Which was a bizarre ending, because, again, it conflicted with that message they seemed to be showing, mm. but also because Diane, as a character, seems to never really have exhibited such behaviour before. I, I can I can kind of see uh, the, the reason to do it, because we've, we've seen Carla overcome... This thing, yeah, and it almost hits home what she has overcome by putting Diane, a usually level-headed, mm-hmm. strong character, yeah. who also succumbs to, it. yeah, uh, when he goes he, and whispers something in yeah. her ear. Sam books a room at the Pequot, yeah, right, and mentions that him, Diane mentioned that him and her went to it last fall. Mm. This inn shares the name with the ship in Moby Dick. And in this episode, we've talked about adversity and whatnot. And so far in Cheers, there's been a few allusions to Moby Dick. Melville. Melville's exactly. The writer of Moby Dick was Herman Melville. Cheers shares some of its themes with Moby Dick. And the most notable comparison to me is Sam's desire to overcome what gave him a physical decline, Mm. such as his alcoholism affecting sports career mm. kind of was brought about by the batting average discussion they had and Sam 
thinking more his past and his status as a baseball player before. What's also notable is that Ted Danson is involved with the charity Oceana, which is dedicated to preserving the world's oceans. Mm-hmm. Again, nautically related. A, a loose connection, but... It's, yeah, it's... it's what it, was the charity name again, sorry? Oceana. Oceana. This is something I found in deeper research, but it's something... Like we, the fun? No, it's, it's not deeper. that. It's... <laughs> hey. Well, that's the door, James, and that means it's uh, one thing. It's trivia time. Do you want to kick it off with some questions? What number does Sam claim is his batting average one year? 161. That's more plausible, but he is still relief pitcher. Mm. Even 161 is quite high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, name, the number he claims is 211. Uh, this is followed by Coach saying, in your dream, Coach knows he was a relief pitcher. <laughs> When uh, Loretta and Nick enter the bar, Nick says he's going to get Loretta a drink. Yeah. What does she want to order? It's really vague. It's like something... No? No, it's quite specific. Beer. No. Why? Beer is vague. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have a Coke. Oh. And he says, be sophisticated. A Diet Coke? A Coca-Cola. Ah, Loretta. This episode, An American Family, mm-hmm. shares its name with the 1973 TV show, mm-hmm. An American Family. But can you tell me what this show was a precursor to, in terms of I mean, was it, type of genre television? Was it the, the first sort of reality TV show? It was. Mm-hmm. It was the first it was, it was a weekly, family-oriented... A weekly sort of documentary... About family. Yeah. yeah uh, about the Lauer family, and it was a precursor to reality television. So, so we can blame that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's their fault. What does Loretta eventually order after Nick nags her to be more sophisticated? Uh, something in a coconut. That's exactly right. Which, uh, you know, that is the epitome of sophistication. I sense a house special, John. <laughs> it's time for last orders. What are you having, John? Well, some, something in a coconut. I think something in a coconut. I've got to be sophisticated. Sophisticated place. You know? Hey. So, uh, what will we cheers to, Jim? I mean, Carla gets to keep our kids. That's a good thing. Yeah. Cheers to family. Cheers to Cliff for buying a $30 book for a $20 pair. I mean, thank you for search engines now. Che- cheers, Google. <laughs> if, if, if it was set in modern day, people would just be like, well, let me just Google that for you. So, yeah, let, let's, let's raise our, uh, coconuts. Our coconut shells to Google, to family. To the American family. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, the Cheers Podcast.